Let's take this outside with Marianne Iveson, the podcast where she speaks to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about why they connect with nature. Sonia Looney is an American pro mountain biker, podcast host, health and mental performance coach, writer, speaker, and mom. She's raced her mountain bike across the world in over 25 countries at the hardest endurance races in places like the Sahara Desert, Himalayas of Nepal, tropical jungles in Asia, steppes of Mongolia, and mountain ranges in Poland. Sonia is also interested in the integration of high performance and well-being through psychology, contemplative practices, and sport. Please enjoy my conversation with Sonia Looney. Sonia Looney, welcome to Let's Take This Outside. It's so fun to be on the other side of the mic. Okay. It's so funny because I was interviewed yesterday for like an entrepreneurial podcast. And I'm like, I love being interviewed because because you don't have to prep anything. You just show up and talk about yourself for like an hour. It's so <laughs> Yeah, it's the best. Because so <laughs> you have your own podcast, right? Called the, Son- the Sonia Looney Show, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So yeah. we will talk about that later, but I- I'm glad that you uh, feel comfortable on that side of the microphone too. I saw usually like there's connections through other people on this podcast, but this is kind of like, this is kind of raw the way I found you. A friend of mine sent me your short documentary on you called Benched about being a new mom and a professional athlete. And I instantly thought I need to talk to this woman. Well, how was, how was doing that documentary? What was, what was that like to kind of, it was like eight minutes, it was like summed up in like eight minutes. Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful to Thinking Box and to Bronwyn Davies for taking the time to film this important documentary because it's hard to find support to film a documentary like this. So we filmed it in 2020 and I had my son in March of 2020, like literally the day before lockdown. And since then, I've had another child in March of 2022. It was fun. I mean, it was fun and challenging. And I really wanted to put out an important message that athletes don't have to lose their identity when they become a mom and also an underlying current that there needs to be more support of females in general who want to become mothers professionally, but also, and especially in professional sports. And I was a little bit nervous when it came out because you never know how it's going to be received. And we also filmed it a couple years ago. So to have it come out a couple years later was interesting, but also really cool because I think a lot of female athletes are becoming Um, more clear on the fact that they want children and also realizing that they don't, they don't have to give up their dreams or who they are to get pregnant and have a baby. So in the last, you know, two years, since we filmed that documentary, I've seen a lot more women come forward and become moms and continue being themselves after being a mom, of course, you know, with some changes in there, but (laughs) positive changes. We're going to talk more about that too. And what's so cool about this is that it also, um, it's transferable into in the workforce too, right? In in the workforce when it comes, whether it's like blue collar or white collar, whether you're a lawyer, I feel like those skills and the, that messaging is transferable anywhere for women. Absolutely. Having goals, whether they're career, athletic, or or whatever the goals are, and being a mom don't need to be mutually exclusive. It's not easy to do, but doing hard things in life is what inspires us the most. Like if anybody listening looks back at to the things that you're most proud of in your life, it's not going to be the things that were easy. It's going to be the things that you had to maybe struggle for a little bit and the things that made you stretch and grow in ways that you couldn't have imagined. And I think in our culture, people use the word hard work as it's going to be this negative, horrible thing. But hard work is awesome because you're doing something meaningful in a lot of cases. Uh, I'm looking forward to diving into that too, because you've done some very, very, very hard 
hard things. I feel like you've had multiple identities in your in your life so far. Raised in New Mexico, master's degree in electrical and biomedical engineering. You're a pro mountain biker, adventure athlete, mom, podcaster, coach. But I want to start with your. I want people to get to know you a bit better and start with your background. How did you fall in love with mountain biking and what were the early days? Look, what they look like in New Mexico? Yeah, so I started mountain biking when I was just right before my 20th birthday and I'm turning 40 this year. So it's unbelievable that it's been half my life now. <laughs> but I found it by following my curiosity. It wasn't a sport that I knew existed growing up. I didn't even know that cycling in general was a sport. Uh, it started because I wanted to run a marathon in my senior year of high school. I just thought that sounded like a cool thing to do. And I started running and it completely changed my life. It changed what I believed about myself. I got confidence in myself in a way that being successful in other things in school like band or academics did not give me. And I didn't know how to train. So I kept getting injured. And so I'd go to spin class at the gym to continue working on my aerobic fitness. And some guys at my work invited me to go mountain biking. And I said, yeah, I'm in. And I went mountain biking. And because I had been doing you know, two years worth of aerobic training for, for running, I had some fitness. And mountain biking in Albuquerque is very, it, that's where I grew up, is very accessible. It's not crazy technical where you're afraid. And these guys convinced me to do my first race just a couple of weeks after, you know, getting on the trail for the first time. And I'm a curious and open person. And, you know, back then I, I didn't have this awareness around myself and I've done a lot of work uh, to be able to say that, but um, now, but that curiosity and that openness, new experience and that, that adventure spirit is what led me to saying yes, after only mountain biking for two weeks. And I signed up for the race and I absolutely loved it. And I went all in and 20 years later, here I am, I've raced around the world. I, you know, I've been able to like win some really big races and become national world champion. And I never would have thought that that would have happened. Even when I was signing up for that first race, I, I just did it because it sounds fun. And I think for the listener, a takeaway from this is don't be afraid to explore things that you might be curious about, even if you don't know anything about it, even if you maybe are a little bit worried about what could happen, because if you don't explore and open that door, you don't know what you're leaving on the table. And in this case, I would have left this entire life and career on the table that I never even knew existed. I was actually going to ask you when you started racing, but at what point were you like, I love being on a mountain bike for 24 hours? This is so fun. Like, it must have been like a long transition. It, it wasn't like overnight, right? Like, you're like, oh, I like this. But like, what point were you like, oh, I like doing this for, for eight days straight. This is super fun. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say I like being on my bike for 24 hours straight. <laughs> it's kind of that type two fun where it's fun afterwards. It, yeah, it was a gradual thing. Like, I started doing the Olympic distance race, racing, which is more of the shorter course, hour to an hour and a half length race. But again, that, that search for adventure, that hunger for more made me want to explore endurance racing. And I didn't want to ride a loop over and over and go to the same places every year. I wanted to see countries and I wanted to see the world. And I, I didn't, I wanted to be able to ride my bike in a certain way so that I could just explore. So that opened the door to trying a hundred mile mountain bike race or a 50 mile mountain bike race. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll do a seven day race. And the 24 hour racing started as a team because in 24 hour racing, especially it used to be a lot more popular back when, but you could do a four and five person team. So it wasn't intimidating to try it or to try racing your bike at night. And over time, I just started realizing that I'm more capable of what, than what I originally thought that I was. So I just wanted to keep seeing what I was capable of and keep trying more with that spirit of curiosity and adventure and, and being okay with doing, doing the hard work and enjoying doing the hard work. At what point did you realize that you 
love, like, do you remember like maybe a certain race that you love the endurance race and you're like, oh yeah, I'm meant to do that. Like my body is like meant to do this. Do you remember that race or that moment? I do. It was my first hundred mile mountain bike race and it was in Breckenridge, Colorado, which is one of the hardest, I, I was probably the hardest hundred mile mountain bike race I've ever done. And I've done tons um, internationally even. And I remember signing up and saying, I don't know how to really race a hundred miles. So I'm just going to be conservative and I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And I'm not going to push myself too hard. And by the time I finished the race, I thought I love that. And I have more in the tank. And I think I got like third or something in the race. So I thought, okay, like maybe there's something here. Maybe I should explore. And it, it wasn't just getting a result because a lot of people that sign up for these races aren't trying to win the race. They're there because they want a life-changing experience and memories and, and you know, the tourism outdoors on your bike. And it's just such a fun thing to be able to do, to go different places and ride so many different trails and to see more. And just, I think having that openness again, to see more and to see what you're capable of and, and having the courage to show up, even though you don't know what's going to happen is, is a really fun thing to do. What mistakes did you make early on? Maybe it came, comes <laughs> to fuel, you're laughing already. Maybe it's fueling or maybe it's things that you're carrying or carrying too much or hydration. Like what mistakes did you make early that you're la- that you now have dialed in? I would say what mistakes didn't I make? I've made every single mistake that you could possibly imagine because that's part of learning. And I think that's another thing to think about is, you know, we're afraid to, especially as we're adults, we're afraid to make mistakes. We're afraid to look silly. We're afraid to suck at something, but that's just part of the journey. Yeah. Like I've had flat tires. I I still make mistakes. Like I'll choose the wrong tires and then it rains and now I'm, you know, sketchy on the downhill or yeah, I've, I've had to like walk my bike to the finish and get an IV because I mismanaged my nutrition and hydration. I've not arrived at a race early enough in another country and not had my bike show up on time and then not been able to race. I've ridden and gone back into sport too soon. Like I've, I've like not respecting a concussion or not respecting an injury and gone back too soon. And the mental side of sport, which is what I'm the most passionate about. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the mental side of sport. I, I just kind of took it as it came and tried to figure it out on my own, but being way too focused on external validation on trying to prove myself, you know, worrying about what other people think on focusing on outcome-based goals. Like those are all things that I wish that I had known whenever I started. And what does that look like now? The mental side of it for you? I mean, that's a, a pretty broad question, but it's like a process. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I could t- I could talk about it for like five what? hours. Like answer that one question. I think like focusing on your, your process, focusing on the work. I like to say the work is the reward instead of saying, well, I'm going to do this. So I get this. It's not worrying about what the outcome is going to be of something, because a lot of times that is completely out of your control. And if you are so focused on getting a certain marathon time or getting a certain, you know, place or getting a certain promotion, that's going to waste your energy. Focus on how you can be your best and what you need to do every single day and who you need to surround yourself with, because that's where the meaning comes from. There's a lot of people that will achieve things, will get a certain result. And I've been there myself where you, you get that achievement and then it still just doesn't feel like it's enough. It feels hollow and empty. And it's not about that. It's about who you are and what you do every single day. And that's what brings that meaning piece and that life satisfaction and fulfillment piece. I've heard that a lot. Like, like I've heard or seen in documentaries, Olympic athletes talking about that a lot is like when you get to that point and you've been training like your, your whole, literally your whole life for this. And then you get to that moment and you win, like, you know, you medal and then you're like, now what? Like, what was the point of all this? Right. So clearly, I don't want to say you figured it out, but you're figuring it out that every day, the training, the enjoying life. As you keep racing, as you keep 
pursuing this and mastering it. What does the future look like for you when it comes to mountain bike racing? I I don't have a good answer to that at this time because before I had kids, I was racing all over the world. I was picking like countries that I would never go on my own countries. Maybe I didn't even know where it was on the map, admittedly, because I would want to want that adventure piece. And now I I don't want to do that. I I don't want to travel without my family because my kids are almost one and three, and I don't want to be away from them for three weeks at a time. I also don't want to take them with me to events like that. So having to choose, choose races has been hard for me because I want to have that adventure piece. And I, I, I can't really do that right now. And I don't want to say can't it's I'm choosing not to do that right now. So the mountain bike races I'm choosing are still multi-day format. They're races that in the, that domestically I didn't really do because I was too busy, you know, traveling somewhere else. So I really like technical mountain biking. So my focus is on technical mountain biking and choosing races that align with that. And then number two, adventure and community. So where can I go where I can impact the community? Because honestly, like I like going out and racing hard and, you know, trying to win races, but another race win doesn't really matter that much in the grand scheme of things, which I'm very privileged to say that in my career. It's more, you know, this like crystal, like as Arthur Brooks calls this crystallized intelligence of how can I use the, um, the knowledge or quote wisdom that I've acquired over the years to impact other people. And I still, again, I still want to be highly competitive, but this mission of helping others find their best and strive in a way that, that makes them feel, um, happy and fulfilled in their life. Cause I didn't have that whenever I was, you know, coming up the ranks, that's more important to me. And a second part that you might not know is that I have taken up a different sport in addition to mountain biking this year. And that sport is trail running. So I'm doing my first race next weekend. And I'm doing like, what are you doing? Uh, it's called it's a, next weekend's a 25 K and then I'm doing a 50 K and then a 40 miler by the end of the year. And this is, comes back to what I was talking about in the beginning of like, I know I'm going to make tons of mistakes. I'm going to make hopefully not every mistake in the book. Cause I've learned from mountain biking a little bit, but taking on a different sport, I have to learn how to move my feet in a way that I've never moved my feet before. And I don't, I don't know what to wear. Like, it's, it's just so fun being a be like, I'm not a beginner because I have lots of endurance experience, but in lots of ways I am a beginner. Like, I don't know what shoes to wear. I don't know what sports bra to wear. And I love having to figure all that out all over again. And that's really refreshing to me. That's so funny. I have a friend who is a professional cyclist, like road cyclist. And now she, she just started trail running. Like she just started doing it last year. And she's like, my feet, my feet. Oh my gosh. It's just like a whole other set. It's like a whole new puzzle to figure out. And I would put her in your, like, I would put her in your uh, category of like endurance. Right. So yeah. Would you consider it like a puzzle and like something new to figure out, but it's still in the same ballpark kind of a little bit. Yeah. Like there's a novelty piece to it. And I like novelty is important, especially for avoiding burnout and also getting to meet new people in a new community and also race on new trails and new places. I get that like adventure box checked for me because there's a lot of places where you can't race a mountain bike, but you can do like a trail running race. And also locally there's for some reason in BC, there used to be tons of cross country mountain biking events. And now there's hardly any part of it's from the pandemic, I'm sure, but there's tons of trail running races. So if I want to do more local events where I can have my key races that are big mountain bike events on my calendar, and then I can fill in some of the running races around that so that I can still have that fun adventure piece and feel part of a community on a regular basis. 
That's funny. My uh, friend and I, we were si- signed up for the Squamish 50. Oh, cool. Before before the pandemic. And then we were, you know, we were going to like, we, we had the whole thing planned out. We were going to go to the Squamish 50. We were going to go down to like Portland and Seattle and celebrate and, you know, just have a great time. And then the, the pandemic shut it down. So are you doing the Squamish 50 then? Is that part of your race series? Wish it was, but I'm actually going to be in Colorado for the month of August. And I'm actually um, launching an inaugural event called the Women's Cycling Summit. And it's not like a race. It's more of like a symposium and workshop to help women overcome barriers to either get started in cycling or to advance in their career, whatever that may look like. Question, is that already launched? Can people find that on your website? Like like if people are interested in that, do you have any more on that? Yeah, I'm co-launching it with the Breck Epic, which is a six-day mountain bike stage race that I've done, um, I don't know, lots of times. <laughs> but they're they're helping me launch the event. So we, we don't have a website for it yet, but it's been in the press releases from the Breck Epic. So the best place to go is to actually follow the Breck Epic or to follow me, like go on my newsletter or on my social media, because all the details will be coming out then. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Let's take this outside with Marianne Iveson. A key piece to endurance athletes, and now that you're in trail running too, this is hilarious, but is that you have to be obsessed with nature and your surroundings. Like you have to, you have to be. How does that fall into line for you? When it, like, This is called Let's Take This Outside. I would love to talk about connection to nature. What does that look like for you? I mean, nature is, so, <laughs> there's so many benefits of being in nature. Number one, experiencing awe. And there's so many different ways that we can experience awe and the impacts that that has on our mental health. So you don't even have to be an athlete to, you know, have these experiences in nature. All you even have to do is look at a picture of green space. And there's research that shows that that actually helps your mental health. So, you know, the, the mental health and well-being side of things, but also the adventure side and the curiosity side, the, the world, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I've seen a lot of these places. Like the world is vast and there are so many different experiences and people and things that happen outside and being outside teaches you who you are. It exposes you to things that you wouldn't be exposed to if you just sat in your house all day long, because you're not in control of the elements of nature and, and nature is very powerful. So you have to figure out who you are, what your expectations are, how you're going to be resilient whenever things are happening out there. And I mean, it doesn't have to be extreme like what I'm doing, but how many of us have just gone for a walk and the weather turned and didn't, then it didn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to turn out, or maybe it got even better than you thought. And it just opened your, your frame of mind into some of the range of human experience and emotions that we can have. 
What have you learned from these longer efforts that helps you with everyday life? What's something like, and you probably don't notice it anymore, but if you think about it, what have you learned from long efforts to norm and, and motherhood too? And we're going to talk about motherhood in a second. I mean, these mountain bike races I've done have been the best teacher for my life because you just, I, I wouldn't have been able to learn this anywhere else. So number one, dealing with things going wrong and things not going the way that you thought that they were going to go. And that is, that is life. <laughs> the cool thing about endurance sports is that you'll have everything that happens on a daily basis or on a, even a yearly basis in life happen to you out on a race course or out on a ride. So like the mindset of, well, how, how do you be resilient? How do you, um, bounce back whenever something goes the wrong way? Or how do you manage failure or failure to meet your expectations or somebody else's expectations? Another thing is embracing the impermanence of it all, because in a hundred mile mountain bike race, there could be a, a moment where you're feeling amazing. And then there's going to be moments where you don't feel amazing and you want to quit. And, and you could even be winning the race and want to quit. I'll, I'll tell you that. And you don't, and you just keep going and things change. So the, the importance of persistence and consistency and believing that if I just, if I just keep going, things will get better, like the optimism piece. So that's number two. And number three, that you never have it all figured out. Like I've been racing bikes for 20 years and I, I still, I'm learning things and being open to learning and realizing that you, that you're never going to know it all that you're always going to be needing to um, learn from other people and have that community aspect and that you're not going to do it alone. I think that's another important thing. And that all of those lessons apply to everything in life, especially parenting. <laughs> Something I took from the doc I watched uh, was the shift from badass athlete to badass mom athlete. I think that was actually a term in that was used in the documentary. I think being a mom is, actually makes you more of a badass, but can you tell me about the challenges and anxiety that came along with being pregnant the first time and sponsors? Like, what did that feel like? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know, um, number one, if I could be a mountain biker and continue riding my mountain bike while pregnant because I just had never seen anybody do it before. But there's lots of things that I've chosen to do in my life that I hadn't seen anybody done before, so I wasn't... I wasn't afraid of it, but I wanted to get all the information so that, that I could find so that I was making safe and, and smart choices. So I learned that, yeah, you can mountain bike through your entire pregnancy. And I did both times and, and I did it safely. And there's going to be people that are going to judge you and tell you that whatever your sport is like, that's too dangerous, but everybody has their own skill level and comfort level with where they're at. And something that looks terrifying to one person might be really easy to another person just because they have a different skill level. And you you can still like work on your fitness. It's just going to look a little bit different and you have to shift your expectations a little bit because it's not going to be exactly like you're not pregnant, but it helps. I think from a mental health perspective and also from all of the, the things that we're concerned about in pregnancy getting, uh, and, and certainly this is not a like exercise is not going to fix all the problems out there, but it's probably going to reduce incidences incidences of preeclampsia and it'll probably make your baby healthier um, there's a great book called Exercising Through Your Pregnancy by James, uh, I think his name is James Clapp and Catherine Cram that I highly recommend that really helped me um, inform my decisions. And from a sponsorship standpoint, I wish, like, I was ashamed of being pregnant. I didn't want anybody to know about it. I was terrified to tell anybody that I was pregnant. And my husband said to me in a loving way, like, you can't hide in your house forever. And he was right. He's like, be brave, like, stand up. Like, you're doing this. You, you can be an example for other people. So I did, but... <clears throat> I mean, the outcome of that hasn't been what I've, what I hoped. <laughs> like I haven't been getting a lot of support. I've lost almost all my sponsors since having children. And again, 
this might not be because I had children. It might not be causal. There's a lot of different factors that came into play since I've had children, including pandemics, the Canadian border being closed, all of these extra things that have made it even more challenging for myself. But there's nobody that's been like, oh, awesome, you're a mom. We're so excited that you're a mom. We're going to give you more support. Like none of that is happening. And if you want to travel with your family, especially, you know, to all these races, it's way more expensive to do that. So you need more support when you're a mom. And yeah, like I think it's going to get better. And like I said, there's more athletes who are continuing to race. And I think part of it is because a lot of these brands realized, like didn't, didn't realize that people are going to ride through their pregnancy. They're going to come back. They're still going to be athletes. Like they haven't lost who they are. And another wonderful thing about this is that like, hopefully that will be realized in the future is that the whole point of sponsorship is to help build community and sell products for these brands. And whenever you have women with children and families and their husband, maybe they're even supporting them. It sets a great example and creates relatability to your customers. And in a lot of endurance sports, especially cycling, it's a male dominated sport. And one of the questions that everybody keeps asking is, well, how do we get more women into the sport? Well, you have to support more women and you have to create a platform um, to show that, yes, you can like most, like there's a lot of people that don't have kids, but most people do have children. So showing that, there's other people out there like you doing this. That's a great way to get more women into the sport. Where do you think in 2023 the line is when it comes to women being accepted in mountain biking and and how they're supported? Do you think there's still a long way to go? I do think I think it's gotten way better. Like back when I first started racing, there wasn't even equal prize money. Like it was this really out there thing if a race had equal prize money for for professional men and professional women and now it's it's almost an outrage if there isn't professional or there isn't equal prize money um I, i'd be interested to hear other people's experiences because i'm just one person so this has been my experience but that doesn't mean that it's everybody's experience and there might be other women out there who are getting wonderful support doing their sport you know from from brands and from um wherever their support is coming from so I'd be interested to hear more from some of these other women and also from some of these brands, which is partially why I'm holding the Women's Cycling Summit, because part of it is industry facing, trying to say, you know, how can we get more women in the sport and what, why, like to the brands, not in um, an accusatory way, but, you know, why aren't you supporting more women? What, what are the reasons behind this? And maybe we can help work this and massage the situation so that we can get more women into the sport and create more opportunity for them at the same time. You've already offered some of this up, but if you have advice for moms who want to start maybe a new athletic journey or women who are becoming moms who are athletes, any, any angle of this, what, what do you say to them? How do you support? I think you can do it for sure. You, you need support in order to do it. And you, sh- you shouldn't wait. Like, don't wait until your kid is five or 10 or 15 or out of the house. Like, don't wait, start now and start. You don't have to start big. Like, you don't have to say, I'm going to become a runner. Now I'm signing up for a marathon. Aim for consistency first. Aim for, you know, showing up for yourself and not being afraid to show up for yourself because you know that that's going to make you a better version of yourself over the days, years, months, you know, I think a lot of people feel guilty for taking time for themselves to go for a bike ride or go for a run. And I certainly even fall into this. Like we're going to North Carolina for a mountain bike race in April. And it's very expensive to take the whole family. It's a three hour time change. Like it's going to be disruptive to everybody. And I feel guilty. Like, oh, I'm, I could pick a different race. That would be easier on everybody. (sighs) Mom guilt. Jeez. Yeah. But I mean, we all experience that. So don't, don't let that mom guilt be something that stops you from becoming who you want to be. 
there's a, you, you can do so much. And even if you feel like you don't have any time, even the smallest movement will pay dividends. 1% compounds over time into really big things. So just shift slightly. You don't have to completely commit to this huge thing, but just, just start and, and don't wait. What is your life looking like now with, you said a one and a three-year-old, right? How old your kids are? Yeah. Next, next month, they'll both be one and three. One and three. So what, like, what does that look like every day, whether it's training or whether it's going for family bike rides? You said your husband is a mountain biker as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are they already on the bikes and on the back and the front? And like, what does that look like? Uh, Honestly, they're not. Like I, I have a Strider bike and my son, who's almost three, he doesn't really like it that much. So when he wants to ride it, I say like, yeah, you can go. And he's kind of like, he's not shredding on it like other little kids are. And that's totally fine. And we just sort of follow them, meet them where they are and what they want to do. So we like, I like taking them outside for walks and hikes and being outside as much as possible, but I don't try to force a certain sport on them because it's what I like to do. I'm about leading by example. And right now the kid, like Bradley, cause he can talk, he knows that mom and dad are out there running and riding every single day and that mom and dad believe that it's important to be healthy and that it's important to be outside and setting that example early on is really important. But from the day to day, it's going to look different for everybody. Um, for me, (laughs) honestly, it kind of feels like that, like the Tasmanian devil, um, you know, tornado. That's what my life kind of feels like because I don't want to give up on all the things that I love to do. And as you mentioned at the beginning, I do a lot of different things, and what I said earlier about starting, and even if it's 1%, one step, that step matters. And that's how I've lived my life since having my first kid is I've been able to do things over time. And people say, well, how do you do all those things? And it, it is by doing something really small every single day. So, you know, if, if I'm writing an article, sometimes it takes me a lot longer to write an article than it used to take my training. I, I don't, I don't train as many hours as I used to train. Um, I could, but I'm choosing not to because I want to spend time with my kids. So we're fortunate in that I've been able to choose, you know, how many hours in the day I want childcare and that's six hours a day. And that's because I know that this time is fleeting when they're this young before they go to school. And that's enough time for me to quote, get by in some of the things that I'm doing. And I know that might sound almost negative, but I'm still improving at all the things that I'm doing. And I'm doing that very intentionally and deliberately knowing that in the future, I'm not going to have, I'm not gonna be able to get this time back. And that if I want to go all in again on some of these other projects and spend a great amount of time doing it, then I can. Yeah. So you can do a lot. Like I did a, a health coaching certification at Vanderbilt university when I had a newborn and did the 70 hours of practicum when we didn't have any childcare. I've have a weekly podcast that I didn't miss an episode and we had no childcare until like six months ago. Like I've been, I've been able to continue training and that's not without the support of my husband, of course, but these things happen. There there are things you can do. It's just not going to look like the way that you thought it would. And it might feel kind of messy, but not quitting and just continuing to chip away at it will, will really help and pay in the long run. And I'm an example of that. Thanks for your authenticity and honesty. Tell me a little bit more about your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast I've been doing for about six years and is about the intersection of high performance and well-being. So it's not a mountain biking podcast, but it's, it's taking like experts in all of these different categories and trying to answer the question and provide actionable takeaways on, well, how do we strive for things in our life, but also feel happy and satisfied? Because a lot of times whenever people are striving for something, they forget about what the elements of well-being are. And like you mentioned, the Olympian who's going after that gold medal gets the gold medal and is like, well, now I don't have anything left in my life now. 
I don't want that to be the story for other people. And knowing yourself and that relationship that you have with yourself is so important and your health is so important. So that's what the show is about. And your newsletter as well, if people want to stay in touch about the about the summit and what you're putting out and your uh, and also you have coaching, can you fill me in on newsletter and coaching as well? Yeah, my newsletter is at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. And I, I write shorter form articles about the intersection of high performance and well-being there. Like some recent ones were how you can turn frustration into motivation and then how to um, how to manage expectations. Like do you set low expectations or high expectations for yourself and how does that impact your happiness? And my coaching, I offer both health coaching and mental performance coaching. So health coaching is all about habit change. It's it's not just sleep and diet and exercise, but it's the relationship that you have with yourself, the relationship that you have with others, the mind-body connection that you have. Like there's just health is such a broad term and there's a lot that, that we can work on. And then my mental performance coaching is for athletes and, and also business professionals and executives. We talk about things like emotional intelligence and resilience and career changing even, and just using all of these skills that that most of us have experienced, but how do you turn them into action in your own life? And having that, that certification through Vanderbilt University gave me a framework for coaching that is based in psychology and is evidence-based instead of just randomly calling myself a coach and making up my own framework. And I really like having that framework from that university. I will put everything in the show notes. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the summit goes and where your future goes. But thank you so much for the inspiration, Sonia Looney. And check out her podcast, The Sonia Looney Show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more Let's Take This Outside, go to letstakethisoutside.ca. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.